listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mir, this Friday afternoon. Now, as you know, the Hong Kong International Literary Festival is in full swing. And between now until the 15th of November, you'll be able to go to their events online or in person. I believe there's still some more tickets for this weekend's events. So do go to their website, which is festival.org.hk. And as their proud broadcast partner, we're really delighted to be featuring a number of their authors, poets, speakers, and also their contributors. And this afternoon, I'm really happy to be talking to Akin Jeje, who is a Canadian poet based here in Hong Kong. Now, Akin's work have been featured in Canada, in the United States, in Singapore, and of course here in Hong Kong. And his first collection, Smoke Pearl, was long-listed for the 2009 International Proverse Prize and was published in 2010. And Jeje's most recent publication, Too Long, is in Hong Kong's voice and verse issue from the July to October 2020. And he's currently working on another full-length poetry collection. And he joins us this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us well, today. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much, Noreen. We are also on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. So feel free uh, to, to drop us uh, your comments or any questions that you may have. It's not every day we have, you know, um, a, a poet on, on the one, two, three show, so it's, it's a real treat. So perhaps let's start right from the beginning, um, Akin. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know you write a lot, you perform your poetry as well. Mm-hmm. What, what drew you to poetry? I mean, I've loved poetry for a very long time, even into childhood, to the point where in my fifth grade class, some throwaway poem I wrote to impress a girl um, ended up being the assigned poem that uh, we copied out in class. But I didn't get serious about poetry until I was about age 18. I was in university, and that was about the time there was a resurgence in interest in civil rights. That was the time uh, the movie um, version of Malcolm X came out. And on campus, I got involved in these politics, and I wanted an avenue to express it. This was also the golden age of hip-hop, too, and I was heavily influenced by its rhythms and cadences. And so I started putting words together. I started you know, fiddling with verses in my mind. And soon enough, I was not only writing, but I was performing these verses, and I just continued. So I've been writing now for over 30 years. Wow, that's amazing. That's a long time to be (laughs) writing poetry. It is. Who were your sort of early uh, inspirations? And as you've been writing for so many decades now, Mm -hmm. have they changed? Um, I wouldn't say so much changed. You just add to your um, catalog, as it were. My early inspirations were poets like Langston Hughes and Leopold Senghor. Uh, Leopold Senghor was Senegal's first president, and he was... A it's poet po- as well? A poet-president, yes. Wow. That's well, a- I mean, that's quite an achievement in of itself. And I loved what they did with language, but I loved also their authenticity and how they would speak not so much to an academy, but to ordinary people. And... I saw the power in it, and I wanted to develop a voice that would emulate that. But over time, one develops one's own voice, and it also depends on one's situation, circumstances, location. So more recently, a lot of my poetry is Hong Kong-centered, unsurprisingly. But in terms of 
being able to list other poets that have influenced me. By this point, it's legion. And I include all my Peel Street poetry colleagues, my Poetry Out Loud colleagues. Um, what a talented <laughs> bunch as well. They are. And it, it just goes from strength to strength, our movement. Uh, we started 15 years ago, and our founder was National Gallagher. Also, our friend Keith McMullen was the second poet that basically they started off in a little cafe up in Soho and shared poetry. And before long, more of us would congregate and share our work. And now we just had our uh, slam on Wednesday. And I was one of the judges, along with our uh, current MC, Henry Kogue, and uh, the winner of last year's slam, uh, Vishal Nanda. And we listened to these poets, and I have to say, they were amazing. It just pure Blends talent coming out. Yeah. Yes. Now, your poems are, are very thought-provoking. <clears throat> the words you use make people think, and you perform them so well. Um, when you're writing your poetry, are you thinking about how the words sort of um, uh, look on the page? Or are you thinking about how it will sound on the stage? Well, I consider both, because that's been a long-standing argument in the poetry world as to which holds greater authenticity, the, the page or the performance. And I would argue that in a perfect world, the poet should consider a balance between both, because there are people who can access the page ably but may not feel the performance. And there's others who cannot access that page as easily, but they will feel that performance. And, you know, part of my influence is also listening to spoken word and how they can express eloquently, passionately, and often urgently, you know, the um, issues of the day. And so, as a poet, one should consider both such a fine line it is <laughs> and it's so hard to to juggle because you can write a, a wonderful piece of poetry but in the in different hands it may not translate as well on the stage or you can have a terrific performer who will really just lift that piece of poem exactly yeah and in terms of process a long time ago i used to try to write a, a piece every day but i found that doesn't necessarily work with the rhythms of poetry the difference between a sprint and a marathon. Now, a novel is a marathon. You have to have a certain discipline and a certain schedule and order to be able to do a novel. You know, write a minimum of a page a day, have a focus, have a direction, have an outline. Poetry doesn't exactly work like that. Sometimes the strangest thought just comes to mind and then you quickly scribble it down, or these days, you know, you text it in your phone. phone. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever works. As uh, long as you don't forget the idea. Yes, and that's the most important thing. The funniest thing is that I learned how to get those snippets of verse, get that phrase, and record it as soon as it came to mind. And funny enough, it was watching an interview with Sting years and years ago. I mean, hey, inspiration can come from anywhere, right? That he basically had told the interviewer that, you know, anytime he had a thought in his head, he'd have a pen and uh, a pad. Now, this was in the 80s, you know, no smartphones at the time, and wrote down these thoughts or these ideas. And then he would come back to that paper and then crystallize 
those lyrics and think about it and expand them. So that's what I do too, you know. And I'll use either pen and pad or the mobile phone in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning. You wake up, you get that inspiration, type, 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 type. And then you have a kernel of that verse ready. And then when you come back, you can definitely germinate this idea. And it's amazing how many poems come from this simple process. Because a lot of times, poems are found. They find you rather than you find them. And so all you do is that you capture what you can and then develop it. That's words of wisdom from a seasoned poet. And it's true. Have you ever tried to think, oh, it'll come back to me? And actually, the idea or the concept is just lost and you can't remember it. And it's so frustrating. Yes, several times. And then after the umpteenth time, I decided, okay, we cannot continue like this. We must record the thought, even if it's a throwaway thought or even if you don't come back to it later. You will thank yourself as a writer for grabbing it when you can, because the assumption that you're going to remember it, you know, given busy schedules and day-to-day life, uh, no. And it's such a gift to have because, frankly, I don't get much thoughts in the middle of the night at three. So it's great that, you know, for for some of our listeners listening, if you are a budding poet, if you have these ideas, do record them down. Um, What about in terms of, does it come to you in a phrase or do you get a word, a moment, a sort of an emotion? And what do you record? And do you have that writer's block to to find that sort of precise phrase to describe it? I don't know. Is that sort of I mean, it differs poem to poem. Sometimes... You can have an entire poem and you jot it down in five minutes and it is a complete work. There are other times where you grab onto a phrase, you grab onto a few scattered words, and you develop it over time. So it really depends on the situation. And sometimes it's just walking down the street, noticing a scene, and then recording that scene. There was one poem that I did where... I work in uh, uh, Kowloon, and I was just on my lunch break and, you know, walking around the street. There was a butcher's shop, and then there were, you know, three uh, uh, pigs lying dead, and then, you know, an incense uh, station next to it. And then at that moment, and then not far from those three pigs, you know, lying splayed, was a small mouse that was also laying dead, and... uh, it just inspired me immediately. I said, okay, I have to type this down. What an image, yeah. Yes, and it was on an, a particularly auspicious day as well. So it just fed into the narrative of that day. I said, you know what, this is definitely a pound poem. And... And you have to be in the mood for it because given another day, you might have just walked past and not pay attention. That's true. So it's also the beauty of, you know, the emotions that each individual poets feel uh, also. Exactly. Now, Akin, I know um, you brought along a couple of poems for for us this afternoon. What a treat. Please, um, I'd like to invite all our listeners to go to Facebook as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Akin there performing uh, live for us this afternoon. So what have you got with us? Well, the first one I want to read is a COVID crisis-inspired poem. But one thing that we've noticed, in you know, 
through this difficult time is how our atmosphere seems to be clearing up. Animals and birds that seem to have disappeared are returning. So it's almost an ironic turn that as the humans are suffering, nature is rejuvenating. And so while the crisis is not anything to celebrate, it is tough for humanity. It also shows us another aspect which we, you know, had either ignored or fretted about because, you know, climate change, because of an urgency to rectify what's going on in the environment. But sometimes we forget that nature is more powerful than ourselves. And so I call this poem Stroll. On a morning stroll through the desolation, I marvel at the wealth behind plexiglass and realize our wondrous world had been a tragedy shuttered by stages. I stride forth alone, the swarm having bled its fill, rages elsewhere. <coughs> the hollowness of halls, the barrenness of barricades, the pallor of palisades, soothes me breezily from my hoar-frost ears to mine oaken thews. I am the parvenu of these here absent avenues. I howl my joy unbridled to the merciful heavens. Finally, all this is mine once more. Wow. That's powerful. It really makes you think about how small we are exactly. and in comparison with nature, the, mm -hmm. that sublime and we're just a dot in, in all of this. Exactly. How long did it take you to write this, <coughs> this, this piece then? You know, this was actually a part of a movement that happened right uh, last year called Kongpo Raimo. And Kongpo Raimo is similar to Singpo Raimo where a group of poets get together and over a month dedicate themselves to writing a poem a day. So well, it's sort of like a, a retreat and you dedicate your time a poem a day. Wow. Yes, although, you know, given the circumstances, we're all online. And this initiative, uh, and this was started by two of our friends, uh, Rachel Long and Sylvia Che, was excellent. It really brought out some fantastic work. And I think the this was an early prompt about COVID and see what you can do. Yeah. And I think I typed this out, you know, you, you have a day to complete, you know, the prompt. So I typed it out within minutes. And sometimes the circumstance just inspires you. I think it was going through a shopping center and seeing it shuttered and seeing it almost barren mm. as opposed to the usual bustle and activity that inspired me to write this particular poem. Mm. And most importantly, it's something that regular people can relate to. And that's something that I like to 
emphasize about poetry that poetry isn't this arcane academic activity that's divorced from regular life or regular people. It should be part and parcel of everyday life and of society. Mm. And that's where its resonance should come from. And people can relate to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, it offers a sense of empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned right at the beginning of, of today's interview, you know, a lot of the times it can be used in, as a political expression. Yes. Um, also, which is the beauty of this art form because it, it you know, captures reality, a bit of your imagination mm -hmm. to make things relatable um, mm. as well. Um, you know, when writing about Hong Kong, mm -hmm. um, how political do you make your poems? Do you try and separate them a little bit? Do you leave some for the imagination of, of the reader? Um, how does it work? It's such a fine line, especially given, um, you know, the current climate mm -hmm. where things are, you know, hypersensitive. Well, the beauty of poetry is that one can allude, use symbolism, use a little bit of opaqueness to lead the reader to imagine what you may or may not be saying. And especially given the circumstances, this is a very useful sort of strategy. But at the same time, you can't help but observe what's going on. You see it, you know. You've, we've, last year we saw it in the streets. We saw it in the news. We see it in the seat of government. One cannot ignore what's going on. And in a sense, a poet can be like a journalist. You report what you see. Now, how you see things are going to be determined by the lens of your own perspective. And it depends who you are. I mean, I, as an expat who's lived here for 15 years, will see things perhaps one way. Somebody else who's lived here all their lives may see this another way. Your socioeconomics may depend on how you view you know, political situations and also your allegiances. So the thing is... It kind of makes you more creative because you have to express it in, you know, with added creativity, you know, exactly. without calling a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. But and, it's still a spade. You know... <laughs> But here's the thing, and the po poets also have to be careful of overly polemicizing what they see, what they feel, what they observe, because if you are perhaps too direct or too set in your message, it indicates you might not have thought as deeply as you could have about what you're saying. And it behooves you to challenge your own perceptions, to challenge your own ideas, and often look at alternate perspectives as well. You don't have to agree with them, that's for sure. But if you consider these, I think it would enrich what you write much further than if you are, let's say, predictable. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of some of the subjects that, you know, y y your your poem can be, um, 
can be a bit depressing sometimes mm. or it can paint a certain picture. Um, as a poet, how do you separate yourself from your work, you know, and not let what you see, what you're writing affect you too much? Because it can be very consuming because you're living and breathing it. Not only that, you're sort of channeling all mm -hmm. the energy and it becomes a part of who you are mm -hmm. in that moment in time on a page. So how do you sort of separate yourself from it afterwards? Or I think there's t there are times where a poet has to step back and be more of an observer. Now, in a perfect world, we would call this objectivity. Now, in the real world, we know that objectivity is a relative term in of itself. But once you t take that step back and you observe without judgment, you find that you might see things a little bit more clearly. If you're too deeply involved in your subject matter, sometimes there are things that you either don't see or don't want to see. The beauty also of being a foreigner, for lack of a better term, is that when you're away from your own nation or your own previous space, it gives you enough distance to look at the place you come from more objectively because you're not immersed in the situation. And at the same time, as an expat, as opposed to somebody local who's lived here all their lives and is immersed in the society, you have in just enough distance to be able to observe certain things that perhaps if you've been here all your life, you don't see because it's a given, something that you would never have given conscious thought to, or you might not want to see because the implications would be quite tremendous. Absolutely. I think sometimes it takes an outsider, for lack of a better word, but an outsider, and you have to distance yourself from some, from certain things, an outsider to see what's clearly on the inside. Because mm. when you're inside a maze, you can't see what's happening exactly. sometimes. Um, finally, um, you'll be doing an event this Sunday on the 15th yes. of November, and it's an evening of urban love poetry, and it's from 7 o'clock until 8.30 at the JC Cube Tycoon. Uh, tell us a little bit more. What can we expect at that evening, and what will you be sharing with the audience that day? Well, the inspiration of the Urban Love Poem Contest comes from Marilyn uh, Chin's Urban Love Poem, which is a pan, basically, not just to where she lives in San Francisco, but also the Hong Kong, you know, of her, her parents, and the places that she knows and loves. And so, a number of... Uh, of uh, locally based poets were asked to do two things. Number one, to write similarly themed urban love poems. And predictably, <laughs> Hong Kong would be the main uh, theme. So you've written a poem especially for that evening. And that's All correct. the local poets, wow. The, yes, each of us have. And in addition, we also judged a contest of a lot of young people who had submitted their poems from all over the city. We'll find out who the winners are of that contest, but the poetry was just amazing. Mm. I mean, heartfelt, passionate, skillfully written. I mean, Hong Kong, in terms of English language poetry, I can't speak to Chinese language poetry, 
but for English language poetry is in good hands. Wow, that's so that's so wonderful and enlightening to hear also, you know, that the future is bright. Um, mm -hmm. Akin, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you this afternoon. Have you got a website or are you on social media? How can people sort of get in touch with you or um, find the, you every the, Wednesday? <laughs> well, the easiest way to do that is that I'm one of the administrators of our Peel Street Poetry um, Facebook uh, page. So, if you send a message, it's either Henrik or myself that will get this uh, message. And any questions or any ideas, please feel free to contact me. Excellent. Well, Akin, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank and, you very much. And for our listeners who want to see um, Akin in action, you can uh, go to uh, his event, which is this Sunday, the November the 15th, from 7 o'clock until 8.30 at JC Cube in Tycoon. And it's an, urban, it's an evening of urban love poetry. And uh, one more thing, if you're interested in more English language poetry around the city, there are several uh, venues um, and groups that do that. So I mentioned Peel Street Poetry. We can be found in Social Room down in Central, 2nd, 3rd, and if it's a long month, 4th Wednesdays of each month. Starts at 8. It's a free open mic event, so please come on down. There's also Poetry Out Loud at the Fringe Club, also in Central, and that starts um, first Wednesday of the month, 